This morning, we're going to continue uh, that series uh, in Mark chapter 6. Now, if you look at Mark chapter 6, it is jam-packed with story after story. It's quite a long chapter compared to the others coming before it. And it's filled with a couple of different familiar stories for many of us. And that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that it's familiar to you. It's a good thing that it, it's still in your memory and that Scripture is running through your memory and it's, it's familiar and nice to you. But often, if you're like me, when you come along familiar stories in Scripture, your eyes kind of glaze over and you stop reading it and you start filling in what you think you already know about Scripture. And so what I like to do is just to slow down and to take it a little bit by a little bit, asking questions along the way, to see what questions arise out of Scripture, and then after reading it a few more times, coming back to those questions, coming back to Scripture to answer those questions, to see what, what is the Spirit trying to teach me today? What is, what is going on in here that reveals who Jesus is and how I am to follow Him? And in today's story of Jesus walking on the water, I want to, to journey through that process together a little bit to maybe learn something new from a story that many of us have known for a while. But before we dive into those scriptures, would you please pray with me? Holy Spirit, come and speak. Speak from the gift that you have given us in your word and in this beautiful and wonderful book. Open our ears and soften our hearts to hear how you are challenging us, how you are comforting us, how you are molding us into the likeness of Christ. Come and speak. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So Mark chapter 6, we're going to be starting at verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So this is a miraculous story in its own right. I mean, Jesus is walking on water. That's not something you normally do as a human being. But I think if we step back and we ask a big question, it'll help lead us into what is Jesus doing here? That question is, why? Why did Jesus choose to go and walk on the water? Why, why did he choose to do this for the disciples? 
Mark uh, gives us quite a few clues in his recounting of this story. You've got to realize Mark experienced this firsthand, and this is him now sitting down after the Holy Spirit has revealed to him the fullness of who Jesus is, and he sits down and he's penning this note to whoever reads it saying, listen, the, holy cow, do you realize And so he weaves in these subtle little clues that help us get to that point, that point of realization and revelation that Mark had in recounting this story. And the first clue, it's a little difficult to see. It's it's kind of hidden in there, but it's it's very subtle, but it's, it's kind of awesome. And it comes in the very act of Jesus walking on water. The very act of Jesus walking on the water. But we have to to get something straight here. Often when we, when we have pictures of this, this scene, right, like whether it's a painting or in children's books or whatever, it's Jesus walking on like this serene and flat and glass-like lake, right? And Jesus is just strolling across like this most calm and peaceful scene. But if you read the story, why, why are the disciples stuck? Because it's super windy, because there's a great wind against them. We have the blessing of Lake Michigan. When it's super windy, is Lake Michigan just the most calm and peaceful, serene thing in the world? No. There are waves crashing over the piers, crashing onto shore, eroding it more than what we wish. Uh, And it's just a, a torrent of wind and rain and, and waves crashing everywhere. That is the scene that's going on here. That is the waters that Jesus is walking across. Not some flat, glass-like waters. Jesus is walking upon the waves. And here's why that's cool. Here's why that's important to understand. Back in the book of Job chapter 9, Job uh, in this chapter is kind of describing who God is. He's recounting the the character of who God is, of how great he is. And in verse 8, he says this, God alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. God alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Maybe you're beginning to pick up on what Mark is trying to point out to us. If not, that's okay. There's more clues that we can dive into to really hammer home this point because uh, he's walking on the water, but what does Jesus do in his intention to walk on the water? It's a strange little detail that you're like, well, that's, that's kind of mean, Jesus, because he intended to pass them by. That's kind of strange to me. Like, you see your friends struggling on the lake, like sweating and freaking out and panicking that they're not going to get it shore, and he's just going to walk on by like, hey, see you later. Seems strange, right? But there's intention for what Jesus is doing here. There's a much deeper purpose for why Jesus intends to pass them by. If you think of the Old Testament and you think of the phrase passing them by, and we already know that Mark's trying to get towards something about God here, so God passing by, perhaps some red flags pop up or a light bulb goes off for you. Because in Exodus 33 and in 1 Kings 19, we have experiences of God passing by. 
Exodus 33, Moses calls out to God because he wants to see God. He wants God to reveal himself to him. God, reveal me, reveal yourself to me. I want to see you. I want to experience who you are in fullness. Now, God, in his wisdom, says, I can't show you my fullness because it would kill you. But I will pass you by. And so he hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and he passes by Moses. And Moses sees what we are called the back of God. He sees a glimpse of God's presence. In passing by Moses, God reveals himself to Moses. He does the same thing for Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Elijah asks God, I want to see you. And God passes by Elijah, revealing himself to him. Jesus is intending to pass by the disciples. He's intending to reveal to the disciples something of who He is. He's walking on the waves doing something that God can only do and He's intending to pass them by. Do you see what Mark is realizing and retelling to us so that we can understand? Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is not the Messiah they thought He was, the one to come and conquer Rome by physical might and power. Jesus is God. To hammer this home even more, we have the very next thing that Mark includes that is just kind of mind-blowing. Because after Jesus intends to pass them by, he stops because they call out to him. They cry out. The disciples freak out because they think he's a ghost. But Jesus calls out to them. He, He speaks to them to calm them down. And he says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Now that is a perfectly correct and true translation, but if you look at the original Greek that Mark wrote this in, you could translate this as, take courage, I am. Do not be afraid. Now that should be ringing bells in our minds. Take courage, I am. Because that is the name that God gave himself. The name he told Moses to call God and God alone. It is the name that belongs to God. I am. And to be ascribed to God alone. And here Jesus is claiming it as his own. I am. I hope it's clear what Mark is trying to to get across. I hope you can feel kind of Mark's excitement as he's writing this. Do you realize what Jesus is doing here? This is God Himself walking on the waters, calling out to us. This is God in the flesh. What amazing and wonderful news. Jesus is God. But don't miss the next detail that makes it even more wonderful news. Because Jesus reveals His nature as God Himself, but He doesn't just pass by. What does Jesus do? He gets in the boat. Jesus reveals, I am, I am. 
And then he draws even closer to his disciples and gets in the boat. I think here Mark is hammering home. This is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh. It is God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. What good news is this? This is the great news of the gospel. That Jesus Christ stepped down from his rightful place in heaven to put on flesh, to be with us, to live with us, to die for us, thereby granting us new life. And here the disciples get to experience this. God revealing himself in Jesus Christ. But I'm still left wondering why. Why why did Jesus choose to reveal this to the disciples here and now as they're struggling across the lake? Why did Jesus choose to do this now? There's a strange ending to this story, right? Jesus gets in the boat and the disciples are completely amazed. But then Mark tells us that they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. What's going on there? Well, just before this interaction, the story before Jesus walking on the water is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So, Jesus is getting a bigger and bigger reputation, and so crowds from villages all over the area start pouring in to hear him speak. And at this point in the day, there's a gathering of, we're told, 5,000 men. So there's probably also another 5,000 women and children. So we're talking at least 10,000 people are gathered around Jesus to hear him teach. And Jesus is teaching. He, he, he has compassion on these people and he teaches them all throughout the day. And in good pastoral fashion, he's a little long-winded. Um, and so it gets late in the day. And the disciples come to Jesus, maybe out of a little concern for the people, but maybe also a little concern for themselves because they're tired. They're, they're kind of sick of having all these people around. And they say, hey, hey, Jesus, it's getting late. These people are hungry. They haven't eaten. Send them away. Send them into the villages so that they can find food and something to eat, to nourish themselves, to take care of them. Jesus does something strange at this point. He looks at his disciples and he says, you feed them. You feed them. You give them something to eat. Now, the disciples have a very natural reaction to being told, hey, how about you feed the 10,000 people around us? They look at Jesus and they're like, um, do, do you see the crowd, right? Like, that would take eight months' wages just to even give them something to eat, maybe not even satisfy them. I, I don't have that money. We don't have that money, Jesus. That's not possible, Jesus, hearing the reply, says, okay, go, go find what we do have. They find the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus gives thanks for both, breaks them, and distributes them. And everyone eats until they're satisfied, and then there's leftovers. But I go back to Jesus looking at his disciples and saying, you do it. 
You, you give them something to eat. And I wonder if Jesus is testing them a little bit here seeing if they truly do understand the person that they are sitting before, the person they have, are coming, having a conversation with. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, you do it. Expecting them to say, I can't. But you can. I wonder if that's what G- drove Jesus to the mountainside as well. I wonder if in his reflection time with the Father, in his time alone with the Father, if he had that thought run through his mind like, ah, they missed it. They they missed it there. They didn't understand who was sitting before them. They didn't understand right then and there who is with them. And perhaps that is why he said, let me go remind them. Let me go out to them to reveal to them, to remind them who I am so that they may take courage. So that the next time a problem comes along that seems completely insurmountable, that seems completely impossible to do on their own, by their own strength, by their own skills, by their own resources, they, instead of saying, ah, that's not possible, they say, I, I can't, but, but I know you can. So help me. Help me do this, Jesus. It's as if Jesus is reminding them that God with us means that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That by my own strength, by my own limited wisdom and skills, I can't. But praise be to God that He is with me. And He is for me. And He is willing to get in the boat with me. That is the good news for us today. That Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is with us in His Spirit that goes before us, that goes behind us, that goes beside us, that goes in us. And that when we come to the end of our rope, when we come in touch with circumstances that seem completely insurmountable, and we come to the point where we say, I can't do this. I can't. But you can. Over the many mission trips that I've gone on with our, uh, the youth group that I led, there have been many instances where I've put students in very uncomfortable circumstances because that's, that's how we grow, right? In Denver in 2008, uh, one of our main goals of that trip was to just go and make friends with the very large homeless population in Denver. To get to know these people, to get to know them beyond the label of homeless, to know that they are human beings with a story, and they have gifts and talents, and they are deeply loved. But the challenge of doing that is you have to go talk to those people, right? You have to go talk to them. And so I I remember the, the first time we had the opportunity, we look at the students, we're like, hey, go talk to them. They turn to me and they're like, um, no, I can't do that. I, I, I can't do that. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I can't do that. 
And in those circumstances, that correct response would be, I know. I know you can't. You, by your own strength, your own wisdom, your own skill, your own words, you can't do that. But remember who's with you. Remember that He can and He desires to work through you. He desires to be with you and to empower you and to give you the gifts and skills needed to accomplish His will. That is what I hope we understand out of Jesus walking on the water. That is what Mark is trying to convey to us today. That when we come to moments where we say, I can't, I don't know what to do, I I, I can't overcome this addiction, I can't deal with these finances, I can't do this anymore. That we have a God who is with us, who is waiting with open arms for us to fall on our knees and say, I can't, but you can help me. Work through me, work in me to bring me to the place you have for me, to bring me the life you have granted me by your death and resurrection. That is what we're called to be as Christians, seeking His glory and His fame and His will and falling on our knees and asking Him for for Him to do it whatever the it is in our life. So may we today take courage because the I am is with us in the good, in the bad, and through it all, willing and able to guide you to his life. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this good news. We thank you for choosing to reveal yourself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, for choosing to take on flesh, for choosing to be with us by your Spirit. God, there are many, many times in life where it gets hard, it beats us down. And we come to the end where we say, I can't do this. And so we are thankful. We are thankful for a God who can and a God who chooses to be with us. May we have the courage and strength to live by your will. To live by your strength, not by ours so that you receive the glory, so that we find life not by our own, but in you. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.